Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book. Hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Cause I've been where you've been And I felt what you're feeling And I don't want to get in your One of the things that plagues many, 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 many writers is understanding all of the legal implications that come along with being a small business owner or an author entrepreneur. And then of course, all the things to do with copyright issues and what happens if someone steals your work or when, you know, all these things we're going to dig into today. So today we are here with Helen Sedwick. Helen is an author and attorney. She has represented small businesses and entrepreneurs for 30 years. Her historical novel, Coyote Wins, has earned five-star reviews from Forward Reviews and is an Indie Bragg Medallion honoree. Publishers Weekly lists her self-publisher's legal handbook as one of the top resource, resource books for independent authors. Uh, On her blog, she coaches writers on everything from saving on taxes to avoiding scams. Uh, For more information, make sure you check out her website, helensedwick.com, and we'll have all of this in the links below so you can click on over there. Helen is probably one of the most important resources you will ever come across as an indie author. (laughs) So thank you so much for taking time out today and being part of this because it's such an important piece of the puzzle. I'm glad to be here. my background is I've, I've been an attorney for 35 years, but I've also been a closet writer. And I self-published a novel, Coyote Wins, in 2013. And when I self-published it, I realized I, I met a lot of other writers who were either self-publishing or working with small publishers. I realized that they had a lot of questions about copyright, about writing about real people, and about the business aspects, and that I could help them. And so then I wrote uh, the self-publisher's legal handbook to walk through a lot of these issues, which is now in its second edition. And I'm happy to help writers. I'm a writer myself, so I understand what makes writers nervous and I'd like to help them sleep better. So that's that's why I wrote the book. Yeah, it's a, it's a phenomenal resource because it's not just about like taxes and copywriting and all of those things, but it talks about contracts and rights. And if you're working with self-publishing assist companies or other types of publishers, what red flags to look for and how to, how to manage your, um, which is a, a topic that I love talking about, the freelance team and how you pay um, file taxes on them and, and who you're working with if you're hiring and copywriting editors and so honestly if if there's one book that you decide you're going to purchase I would highly suggest that you get Helen's either on Kindle or paperback I have it on both versions because this is the type of thing I like to be able to look at and um, flip through (laughs) I just I'm old school I like the I like the document that or the print book that I can write my notes in um but I just, I, I, as an author, as an indie author, appreciate so much that you've put all of this together because I would much rather pay $17 and have it all encompassed in one place than pay a lawyer hundreds of dollars to ask, to answer these questions for me. Yes. And many of these questions, this is information is there. It's understandable. What I say to writers is if you can write a book, deal with voice, character, pacing, 
that's harder than a lot of the legal issues you'll have to deal with uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, and since now this is your stock and trade, this is what you're going to do. There's a certain amount of basic information you should have so that you understand what you own and how to protect it and what you don't own and not, not to make a mistake and somehow infringe on someone else's rights. Exactly. So um, I understand you want to talk about copyright issues today. Yeah, let's start there because start with the business issues. Let, let's start with the copyright because that's when I get a lot of questions about from people, especially brand new authors who who want to start promoting their book before it's published and are scared of, of publishing excerpts. They're scared of putting pieces out there. They're scared of submitting to um, publishers because someone might steal their work. So let's talk about the copyright and what that means and all the good stuff. Great. Uh, well, a copyright is the exclusive right to publish, display, um, create a drama and derivative works from your original work. And it attaches to your work as soon as you put the work down on paper or on a hard drive. You don't have to register the copyright. You never have to publish. You don't even have to mark it with a C circle in your name. That used to be the case 30 years ago, you had to do all of that. But nowadays, as soon as you put it into a tangible form, the copyright attaches. And it lasts for a long time. It will last for your lifetime plus 70 years so that your great-grandchildren could still be getting royalties on your work. Again, that's been extended over the years, mostly by the Disney company. Uh, but... <laughs> But it benefits all authors in that you are you retain those rights for a long time. Now, many authors will talk about how they copyrighted their work. That's really a leftover term for registering the copyright. You own the copyright regardless of whether you register it. But you may register your copyright with the U.S. Copyright Office. It's an extra step. Uh, I think it's worth it because it creates basically this record of what your work looked like on a particular day so that if you ever have to enforce your rights and ownership of that work, you've got this record to back you up, uh, which it, and it's a it will give you a lot more substance. You can register your copyright before it's published. If it's published by a publisher, most likely they'll take care of registering the final book. But as if you're self-publishing it, you can do it yourself. It's very easy. You go online, you fill out a form, you pay $35. That's all it costs. And that's one-time fee. You never have to renew it. And you send in two copies of your book. It's a very simple step. And it's best if you are going to publish that you do it within three months of when you publish your book. That way, if there is an infringer, you can get attorney's fees and you get some automatic damages. But even if you miss that three-month deadline, it's still worth registering your book for $35. Mm -hmm. Now, in terms of can somebody steal your work when you post it online, uh, yes, in, in fact, you probably should just accept the fact that sometimes your work will get cut and pasted different ways, and you could spend a lot of time chasing that down and sending what are called takedown notices, 
And if someone wants to search that term, take down notices, their apps will help you identify this. This could easily become a game of whack-a-mole, unfortunately. <laughs> you may be too young to remember whack-a-mole, but was this oh, I remember. <laughs> arcade game where little moles would pop up and you'd keep banging them down. And as soon as you bang one, two more would pop up. Right. So in terms of it having a big financial impact, at the beginning, it probably won't because most people don't bother to steal unproven work. The books that get stolen and get pirated already establish themselves as bestsellers. So they're the ones who really have to chase things down because uh, somebody who's going to pirate a book wants it to be easy. Right. They go for things that they know will sell. So yes, it's, it's out there. Yes, it's a possibility, but it's not as big a risk as they think. In terms of publishers, uh, you never hear of it happening with a publisher that they steal a book. Right. They're, their reputation depends upon authors trusting them enough and agents trusting them enough to keep sending them new work. Uh, it, it, they're not going to risk their reputation for one book. Now, the movie producers have a different reputation. Yeah, they they have, there's a lot of stories of movie producers taking the idea behind a book, the basic premise, the basic plot premise, and then hiring somebody to write a new script. Because this gets to the other issue is that your copyright uh, protects how you executed the idea, your actual words and the core ingredients, but it doesn't protect, protect the underlying plot or the underlying dilemma, the, the, the difficult romance or the deep space adventure or the, you know, the boy meets girl stories. No matter how clever your twists are, those you can't really protect. It's how you execute them into a work. Um, so I would say with authors, this is a risk. It's a low risk. And, don't, and try not to spend too much time on it and use all that creative energy to create more work. Right. And <laughs> because ultimately you, you can't, do much to control what happens on the internet. So spend your energy on what you can control, which is creating more work. So another question that I hear often on this idea of copywriting is hashtags. And I know this kind of crosses the barrier of like um, trademarking and all of, and registering things that way, but like mm -hmm. you cannot copyright a title. Is that correct? Correct. The policy of the copyright and trademark office is that they will not register a title because they, they're just simply not enough titles to go around. And so they don't want anyone to have an exclusive right to a title. There are some exceptions if you have a very famous book, if you wrote something and called it Da Vinci Code 2, <laughs> that would probably get you into, you would probably get a cease and desist letter from a lawyer because some titles can become so famous that they're, they become a trademark like Coca-Cola right. or Ford or Apple. They become a trademark and so they are protected as trademarks. But if you have a really cool, clever title, unfortunately you can't protect that title from someone who comes up with it independently. 
Now, if people are marketing their books and they're using, like, say they write a book around a concept that they've created, they can, they can go ahead, though, and, and register that title if it's like their program that they develop in conjunction with the book, right? But they can't necessarily stop someone from using that same title for their book. Trademark gets complicated. Yeah. You sometimes can trademark a book. Trademark is different. A trademark is what identifies a product or service in the market. It's, it's a different, it's like a step, stepsister of copyright. Okay. So the trademark office will not register a single title. But if the title of your book is part of a larger business, mm -hmm. uh, Martha Stewart's books, Freakonomics, the, the four, four dummy series, mm -hmm. if you have a series of books and it's a larger business or you speak or you have sheets and towels and home decorating items, you can register the titles as part of this larger business. Okay, that's interesting to know. But you don't, like copyright, Registering the trademark is an extra step in added protection. You will own the trademark as whether you ever register it with the trademark office or not. It's called a common law trademark. But if you're going to invest a lot of money in a particular trademark and want people to identify it with you, it's worth the money to register it. Mm -hmm. Registering your trademark is more complicated. That will cost several hundred dollars as opposed to $35. And you may need to get an attorney or do quite a bit of homework to make sure you're doing it right. Uh, but for, those, for certain authors, it's an investment that's worth it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess. Okay, well, I, I feel like we have a pretty good handle on the copyright situation there so that everybody should feel a little bit at ease. One, um, as long as you're not using the title Harry Potter, <laughs> you can title your book whatever yeah. you want to and um, and know what you know don't get frenzied if there's another book out there with the same title as long as it's not like you know I don't know gone with the wind or <laughs> yeah. um, and that once you once you create it, you own the copyright so no one has the right to just copy and paste and then the um, registered copyright. I, you know, it's really interesting because I always knew the idea that it gave you added protection, but I hadn't really thought to what that meant. And having that like snapshot in time of what my book looked like when it was published and so that you can, I, I never put those things together, but that makes a whole lot of sense, a whole lot of sense on why that's a necessary step. So Let's move into talking a little bit more about some of the major, um, as authors, once we've written a book, we now have a product that we are selling and marketing. We've become author entrepreneurs. And um, what are some of the, would you say, are like the first or most important things that authors do to protect themselves from a legal standpoint? Uh, well, depends what you're writing. If you are writing a memoir, uh, so here we're talking about if uh, writing about real people. You, you may write about real people. If, if we didn't write about real people, and if we didn't write about how imperfect real people are, we wouldn't have any books to read. Right. Because that's what books are about. Okay. So yes, you may write about real people. If you're writing about people in a positive or neutral, factual way, you may do that. You may you acknowledge, thank people in their acknowledgments. You would base a character on somebody in a positive way without asking their permission. 
it's when you're going to be uh, portraying people either I, I, people who are identifiable to third parties and the information that you're providing or your portrayal could be extremely negative then you need to spend some time learning a bit about defamation issues defamation is hard for a plaintiff the one complaining to do to win uh, but writers can get a little smart about it and basically don't write a character or don't write something in a memoir just to get even <laughs> take a step back learn you know by, by taking off in a step back and even getting familiar with the legal issues and familiar and examining your motives and maybe making your story a bit more universal you you will end up with a better book Mm -hmm. um, then you, then if you're just write the angry get even book yes I think you should sometimes write the first draft when you're angry you right but before you, <laughs> but before you publish because it's not the writing that's a problem it's the publishing things about r real people that can be a problem before you publish it's time to take a step back to think about how do I minimize any legal risks it can be done uh, even in those rare instances where you have to take a legal risk you take the risk that makes sense for your story that you have to take in order to tell your story and then you know think about the ones that, that aren't really important mm -hmm. and then from a business perspective uh, this is a transition authors need to make when they're moving from the writing to the entrepreneurial phase of their career and this is whether you're going with a traditional publisher or self-publishing or a little bit of both. Uh, the, there are certain steps you need to take, you should take, that are going to help you actually tax-wise. This is where this comes in important. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's important once you take that step to the entrepreneurial side to Think of it as a business. You know, you are in the business of selling your words and your ideas and your stories. And there are some steps that authors should take uh, along the way. And I'll hit some of the big ones that for every author. Uh, first thing is what you don't need to do. You don't need to incorporate. You don't need to form an LLC. You may hear that people at cocktail parties will say, well, you have to incorporate to protect your assets. For authors, it doesn't really help because the corporation didn't write the book. You wrote the book. So all if someone wanted to sue you, they'd sue the corporation and you individually. If you really are writing a risky book and are worried about that, you're much better off taking that money and buying insurance liability insurance or media perils insurance uh, if you're writing a high-risk book most of us are not writing high-risk books uh, the beauty of insurance is they hire the attorneys they deal with the case they they'll contact you about it they'll consult with you but they will be living it day by day not you so you don't need to incorporate but authors should get an employer identification number for their business. This is something you go onto the IRS website, make sure you go directly to the IRS website. When you Google employer identification number, you'll get a lot of services that will offer to get it 
for you, not only do they charge you money for it, but you'll have to give them your social security number, your mother's maiden name, and all this information that you do not want to give anybody except the IRS who already has it. So you go directly to the IRS website, you're a sole proprietorship, you're starting a new business, you fill out an online form, you give them your social security number, and then they'll issue you what's called an EIN, employer identification number. And you don't even have to have any employees to get this. <laughs> Therefore, as you start publishing, you can give it to Amazon. You'll Instead of giving them your social security number, you give them your EIN. Ingram Spark, you give them your EIN. If you're doing freelance work, your clients will ask you for your a W-9 and your social security number. You can give them your EIN instead. And that helps protect your social security number and can help protect you from identity fraud. Also, it helps establish that you're running a business. Should that ever become an, an issue with the IRS? The next thing, let's see. There, the times where I think somebody might want to incorporate is if they're really trying to hide their identity behind a pen name. And so you add a layer of a pen name and then the pen name might be owned by a corporation and then you might have your attorney be the face of the corporation. But if you have that, that high a need for privacy, then, then you're beyond the scope of what you and I can talk about online. You really need to consult with an attorney and get some help. The other exception would be if you're making a lot of money. Now, this is a problem I hope every one of your viewers has, but if you're starting to make 50 or $100,000 a year from your writing, it's time to sit down with an accountant and get your system set up for a more sophisticated business enterprise. Uh, it's, a, it's one of the downsides of success, but it's a good downside. The other thing that authors need to take care of is if you're going to be physically selling books at book fairs or from your website, then you are now in the business of selling tangible products. And in most states, you'll have to collect and pay sales tax. Uh, this is a total pain in the butt. <laughs> and for most of us, it's a lot of paperwork and we pay the state like $27 or something along those lines because right. it's not a big part. The plus of it is, so what you do is you go to your state taxing authority in California, it's a state board of equalization. Again, you can do all of this online and you get what's called a resale certificate. It might be called a seller's certificate or a seller's permit, but it's, it's a permit you get that registers you with the sales tax authority. Once you have that, you've got a number and you might get a certificate, you can buy your books that you're going to resell without paying sales tax. You'll give that information to your printer or to what used to be CreateSpace, now it's Kindle or Ingram Sparks. And so you'll be able to buy your books without paying sales tax. But if you give those books away, you have to charge yourself sales tax. If you sell your books, you, you have to charge sales tax and the rules can be complicated about when it applies and not. You know, if you physically give a book to somebody at a book fair, you collect sales tax. If you mail it to them out of state, you don't. It'd be much too much to lay out all those rules here. 
it's more just let people know it's there. You should think about it. You should go to your state's website. They probably have fact sheets. Print those out. Do your best. Um, if you make a mistake, it's probably going to be so small, no one's ever going to care. But if you if you to totally ignore it, they'll care. The yeah. small mistakes that no one's, I don't think, ever going to care about. Uh, let me ask you a question. Does this also apply to services? So if we have authors who are building their businesses and they're now teaching online courses about how to write better or offering editing or any of these things, are, are taxes required for online services like that sales tax? Not in the United States. If we have some European viewers, uh, VAT, VA, value added tax may apply to services and that's going to be country by country. Uh, so they have the extra step of having to research the, their equivalent of sales tax, which is the VAT tax. Now, if, if the books are being sold by Amazon or your local bookstore uh, or Barnes and Nobles, et cetera, you don't pay sales tax on those books. It's only the books you physically hand over you mail out from your website. So only those books that you pay sales tax on. Amazon pays the sales tax for you. Okay, good to know. On now, their books. If you are selling, like say you're uh, the guest speaker at an event and afterwards you're selling copies of your book at the back of the room, you will be required to supply the sales tax for all the books that you sold to your state. But can you, can you do, I can't remember what it's called, pass through or whatever it's called, where you assume the liability of the tax so that you just charge retail price? Yes. What I do, because I don't want to sit there and calculate sales tax. I say, and even when people buy it from me, contact me, I say $18, including sales tax. Okay. And then I sit down and I sell 10 books and then I sit down afterwards and I figure out how much of that $18 do I have to pay, use to pay sales tax. So there are a lot of apps, you know, PayPal has an app and Square has an app on your phone that will, if people are paying by credit card, you can use your phone to, to take the credit card or your iPad and they will add the sales tax if you want. But if you're standing there and you have dollar bills, just round it up to a dollar and calculate it yourself afterwards. Okay. It, 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 I think it's a better, um, it's a more friendly transaction with your reader. Yes. As well. You don't want to stand there and talk about pennies. You want to talk about writing and exactly. get that part of, get the sales over with. Exactly. Okay. That's good to know. We actually get a lot of questions about that um, once we've helped authors publish and they're selling their books at the back of the room. Like, am I supposed to be charging sales tax and how do I submit that? So this was really, really useful information um, for, for I'm sure everybody who's listening. Um, I'm trying to think, are there other, uh, well, first of all, like I said at the very beginning, I really, really, really recommend um, I'm not getting any affiliate association with this or anything just because I know as having run a business now in the writing and publishing industry for seven years, like, you know, there's a lot of intricacies and you don't want to screw it up. We messed up a couple things last year and getting a bill from the IRS when you don't expect it is not something you want to deal with. So 
um, a lot of these things are nuts and bolts things that you can't really uh, until you're sitting there doing your tax form you haven't thought about right um, but you are running a business and some other issues are if you're making a profit uh you actually you know that's income and right. you're and if the profits fairly large, you're going to have to pay what we used to call quarterlies and now it's estimated tax. You have to pay your own social security on that income. Uh, now, all these are the benefits of success. I mean, it's only when you have net positive income that you start having to deal with these issues. But if, and so that's why you want to operate as a business. So I'm going to step back and talk about like, what does it mean to operate a as a business? It means to the extent you can, you separate, you have a separate checking account, you have a separate credit card for your business. Uh, that way it's, e it's easier for you to keep track of the money coming in and out and to, to prepare your taxes. But it means that it's easier to demonstrate to the IRS that you really only made $10 last year when you <laughs> net everything out. And also it means that when you have years, you might have some positive years and you might have some negative income years. If you're running it properly as a business, you might be able to deduct those, those losses from your other income, your day job income. This is way more detail than people are going to remember right. from a podcast. Right. So they're just going to need my book. It's <laughs> called Self-Publishers Legal Handbook. And I walk through copyright, registration, using real people, disclaimers, and setting up business issues. Uh, ISBNs, there's right. just, it can seem overwhelming, just like the whole process of self-publishing can seem overwhelming. So if you break it down into steps, you break it down into topics, it, you can do it. As I said, if you've written a book, you can deal with these topics. You just have to take them one at a time. Yeah. The link is going to be in the show notes of, of this presentation as well and in the transcript and all, all those places. So people will be able to quickly and easily head on over to Amazon. I would say before we wrap it up, if you had, because we just threw a lot of information at people, if you had to yeah. say your top two or three things like do not skip these three things, what would they be? On the business side is from the beginning, uh, treat it as a professional, uh, as a separate business. Give yourself the credit that you deserve. A lot of sometimes people don't want to set up a business because they they're not really taking their writing seriously. They're embarrassed by it. Don't be. Don't be embarrassed. You're creating something worth selling. Something worth for people to pay for. So treat it with respect. Treat it as a business uh, and and learn how to take care of business. Uh, the other thing is try not to lose sleep on people stealing your work. It's not as big a problem as you fear. Uh, it, the bigger problem is writers becoming so afraid of various demons that they don't move forward. Uh, you just, it's easy to find excuses not to write. Mm -hmm. And fear of having your work stolen can become another excuse not to write 
or not to get your work out there. Mm -hmm. um, take the risk, write the book, get it out there, get feedback. Uh, you will gain much more than there you risk losing. Yeah, agreed. Um, do you still work in a consulting capacity with uh, authors and small business? Is it only in your state or do you offer anything to help people? On a limited basis. I, I work with authors. Uh, mostly I get lots of emails. I get questions through my website and I answer them. And sometimes I take on clients, but I'm mostly retired. And so I am selective as to what I take on. I don't read manuscripts it takes way too much time. Uh, and I'm really, I'm much more of a business attorney who's learned about publishing than I am an attorney who would go through a manuscript. I do have referrals if people email me and say, I've written a tell-all about Marlon Brando, you know, what should I do with it? <laughs> and I can help them find somebody, but it, it won't be me. Okay. Well, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to answer some of these questions. I think a lot of times when we write a book, we, most of us, don't even think about the tax or the legal or any of those other things until somebody comes to us and says, where's this? Why didn't you file this? How come you haven't? <laughs> you know? So it's, it's great to have the resources that you provide and your blog and your newsletter are always full of great information. So people should definitely head over to Helen Sedwick's website and um, check out all of that. Any last words of wisdom? Keep writing. Uh, it, it's worth it, whether you're a big success or not. Yeah. And uh, I just want to make, mention how wonderful the writing community is. I mean, you think about it, we're all competing with each other, but we don't act like that. We all help each other. So if yeah. you have questions and if you can probably find help online. You can post your questions on some forums. And what's wonderful about the writing community is that there are all kinds of people who will step up and help you. That is so, so true. It is so true. And we're all lucky to have that. And I'm happy to be part of that. Well, me too. Thank you so much again for all your time and wisdom. We appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time.